0: Welcome to the podcast from Eden Worship Center. Because we believe that it is God's word that does God's work in God's people, we want you to hear the gospel preached in the gathering of believers. We want you to read it for yourself and to join us as we think together and talk together about the sermon from this past week and what's going on in our world. You can join the conversation by sending in your comments and questions to edenwc at hotmail.com. May God cause his word to come alive in your heart today. All right, everybody, welcome to the EWC Midweek Podcast. Pastor Matt here. Pastor Harold. Hope you're doing well. All right, yeah. So, uh, setup's a little bit different. We have school and ministry this week, so that's Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and we got out here on Tuesday, and none of this stuff worked. And we normally live stream School of Ministry, so it was a bit of a oh-no moment. Uh, we did get the audio and uploaded that, so you, if you're interested, you can go and listen to the uh, audio podcast of that. Um, but once Josiah did all the hard work to get the video stuff, I wasn't going to mess with it and uh, it's get the, myself in trouble.
1: It's the joys of technology is, is what we're talking about.
0: Technology is great when it works, and when it doesn't, then we, let's just go back to horse and buggies. I don't know about that. <laughs> maybe maybe not with some buddies. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this past week uh, on Sunday, Dad was preaching and uh, talking in Philippians 1. It, we're just recently into this Philippians mm-hmm. series. And uh, I've tried to really kind of bump up the amount of preaching that you're doing in there specifically. Uh, just because I know you spent all that time writing a book on it. And doing all sort of that back study, and I know it's uh, probably your favorite book in the New Testament.
1: Uh, I would and say, yeah, it, it definitely is. Such a, a book of filled with joy and rejoicing, and uh, you know the. I was going to say the tenderest letter Paul wrote, but you clearly see there is there is a close knit fellowship. Between sure. Paul and and the Philippian believers, yeah. so yeah, yeah, love that book. And yeah. the the interesting thing to me in Paul's letter to the Philippians, the word sin is never mentioned. Hmm. Unlike the Galatians, where he says, "You foolish
0: Galatians, who has bewitched yeah. you? You're out of your mind." Yeah, that's the Gingrich. So why why is sin not mentioned in it? And I I think this gets to helping people understand. Uh, the nature of pastoral epistles, mm-hmm. why they were written to whom they were written. Well, Was it because Philippians didn't have sin?
1: No, no. Um, and he was, first of all, he's thanking them for their continued support. And, and he says in chapter four, you sent once and then again. So there's been multiple times when they sent financial needs because yeah. here's Paul in prison in Rome and prisons in those days weren't like prisons today. Uh, you had to provide for yourself, which just seems strange to us today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so there were ongoing financial needs. We also know that Paul was living in rented quarters. That's an interesting imprisonment scenario. Yep. Uh, so Paul is thanking the church there. He's also wanting to encourage them because they're concerned that he's been in prison so long. And he wants to just say, you know what? God's in control. God's working. Um, And he talks about uh, the gospel going through the whole Praetorian Guard, which would have been about 9,000 soldiers hearing the message. Uh, But he also wants to encourage them because one of their own, a guy by the name of Epaphroditus, whom we assume brought the gifts and was there attending to Paul and, and serving in the ministry with him. He'd been sick, in fact, almost died. And so Paul wants to reassure the Philippians And then there are some minor issues going on, and it's a great leadership principle. Here is Paul dealing with things quickly before they become a major problem. There are some contentions, there are some divisions, especially between two women, Mm
0: -hmm. and he addresses those. Yeah, Um, yeah. So it's not to say that the Philippians didn't have sin, but didn't have problems. No, they Uh, did. It's also not to say as some liberal wings of christianity would say today that we shouldn't even talk about sin Uh, why are we talking about that let's talk about love and acceptance and uh if you talk about sin it makes people feel bad and we just want to make people feel good that's not what paul's doing no not at all anchoring true joy in christ uh but then he's he's urging and pleading and and so those two ladies are a a great example uh put aside those things that are going on so there's stressors outside the church. There's stressors mm-hmm. inside the church. Put those things aside. Deal with, deal with them. Even if he doesn't use the word sin, deal with sin.
1: Yeah, and we see the the real functioning of the church uh, in the midst of this because he's going to appeal to someone that he refers to as true yoke fellow. Hmm. Now we have no idea who that was. Clearly the Philippian church folks would have understood yeah. exactly who that was. But he Paul encourages him to help these women. So, you know, the disagreements are being worked through as a part of congregational life. Yeah. And
0: and that's a subject for a whole nother occasion. Yeah. Uh, so maybe just a thought on, you mentioned about dealing with things quickly. Uh, there's a little bit of a tension in pastoral leadership, in, in eldership within a church of, how quick is, is quick enough? How quick is too quick? Like in dealing with situations and whether it's interpersonal things or whether it's, you know, personal sin things. And I think a good, a good meter and temper of that is we, we want to keep pace with what God is doing in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And we don't, we don't get to either be the Holy Spirit who Like, it's us who convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Yeah, we don't get Uh, to do that. Like, we we don't get to arbitrarily set those things. Uh, Now, we can call people to faithfulness in God's Word and call people to reconciliation. Uh, But we also don't get to uh, give people just a pass. Like, well, you know, we're all human. And so the question becomes, what do we do? How do we do it? And when do we do it? And talk about Paul moving quickly. So whatever time has gone on in this church that has escalated between these two ladies, Mm -hmm. uh, that it has built to a certain climax to where the church leaders thought, you know what, Uh, we need to fill Paul in on this. So you have whatever time that is growing. Then you have them writing a letter to Paul and sending it probably with Epaphroditus. And that takes a minimum of three months to get Mm -hmm. to it. And now Paul is in prison. He's he's received it. Epaphroditus was sick. He almost died. Now he's getting better. Hey, by the way, he's getting better. He's gonna tell the Philippians that. He's gonna send a letter back, which is gonna take a couple months. So we're talking eight months here, you know, in, I would say. In in this, you know, relationship thing. We're at least eight months in and he doesn't say like, no, seriously, I'm assuming this is all done and over with, you know two weeks, that's it. That's all you got. And it, it's just, it's interesting. We want to move as fast as we can. And yet we also recognize it's the Holy Spirit that's working in people's lives. And we need to speak the truth in love. Uh, Sometimes speaking the truth in love means we separate fellowship. We say, you're not actually uh, conducting yourself, like we're going to talk about this week uh, Mm -hmm. in your manner of life in keeping with the gospel. And there's going to be a break in fellowship. Uh, That doesn't mean that they've, unearned their salvation, uh, but we're not going to treat you like a Christian if you're behaving like a non-Christian. But this is, this is months into this process. And I, I think that's important to say because there's people who probably aren't listening to this podcast, uh, but there's people in the history of our church <laughs> who have said things like, well, number one, you should have never done that. Like never confronted that person on their sin. All you did was embarrass them. Oh, my goodness. Imagine if we stopped every parent who was trying to lovingly correct their child, that they might live a happy, healthy, productive life and said, don't you know you've made that child feel bad for a moment, right? So that their life might be spared. that That's the whole point Matthew 18 of mm-hmm. church discipline. Uh, but then we've also had some who go, well, the church isn't doing anything. They're just dragging their feet, you know, yada, yada, yada. And the the reality is we we don't have perfect knowledge of what's happening.
1: No, that's true. And uh, you tend to be criticized from all sides. Mm-hmm. So it, it becomes a very difficult thing. What also comes to mind to me in this is first century Christians physically needed one another to survive. Yeah. Uh, the sad reality with our society today, um, you know... If I'm upset with you, I'll just go find another church. I, right. I don't need you. Yep. Uh, so there was a dynamic in the first century church where they physically needed each other for survival. The gospel's under attack. We know what uh, Roman Emperor Nero did to Christians during this time. Yeah. It was a very difficult time. You needed each other to physically survive. Yeah. Um, today, we can physically survive. Spiritually surviving, that's another thing. Yeah. But that becomes a real dilemma uh, to know when to move. And, boy, you just have to pray, mm-hmm. and you just have to be sensitive. And, and that's where building relationships is really critical in the local church. Yeah. That yeah. we must continue to build relationships. And when we see someone who's kind of pulling away... We we're going, hey, I missed you. Everything okay? Yep. What's happening? And so it's out of these relationships. Uh, yeah,
0: but we And when you say we, that's the church body. That's a- the church body. As opposed to like one or two assigned leaders whose job it is to say, we missed you. Uh, that begins to ring really hollow after a while. But if you're building deep relationships, one with another, which there again, that's what Paul's going to talk about this week uh-huh. it, as we look at it, uh, of you should be standing together. Like you're in this fight together for the faith. And if we view church as a sort of a a place of entertainment and belonging, kind of like joining the the Elks Club or the Lions Club or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we don't build those deep relationships one with another. I mean, sadly, we can almost anticipate when hard times come to you, you're going to find yourself on the outside. Not people putting you on the outside like you... You're just going to be there. on the outside. Mm-hmm. It, it's a two-way street.
1: You know, I think about people who show up as the church is just, the service is just getting started, and then when it's over, and they're the first ones out the door, and they say, well, church doesn't care about me. Well, who did you build a relationship mm-hmm. with? Who did you reach out to? Yeah. And you weren't here long enough for me to get to you. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, I saw someone this week who uh, it was not one of those things. This individual was visiting, but I'm tied up with people and I had a great opportunity then the other day uh, when I saw him to say, hey, I was so glad you were in church. I'm sorry I didn't get to you.
0: Here's who I am. Yeah. And a great dynamic of our church in particular. Uh, I remember we had the uh, ice cream social social with all of the Amish neighbors and they're like, at 1230, you're all still there. Uh, sometimes at 1.30, you're still there. Like, what, do you guys have a, a lunch every week? No, it, it's just people are entrusting themselves one to another. It's fellowship one yeah. with another. And sometimes i got to stand at the back and flick the lights on and off to get us to get <laughs> out of there. And it's beautiful. I, I think that that is a beautiful uh, testimony to christian fellowship christian gospel Mm -hmm. community Mm -hmm. so may god increase that oh absolutely
1: absolutely Uh, and it's an interesting encouragement i think for our church folks hopefully those from our church that are listening that you're picking up that the world is watching us yeah and they're watching how we relate with one another we care about
0: one another yeah and um and so that ties in really good with uh Philippians 1 that you had as your passage this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, As Paul is going through his own issues, uh, he's in prison. uh, He's going to say in this passage, uh, there's a chance this prison thing doesn't turn out in human words like one would hope. Uh, And yet he's like, my expectation is God is going to keep me here not for me. Not because I'm Paul. Don't you know how much I've done for you, Jesus? Uh, God is going to keep me here for you because you need me. hmm Interesting. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about the passage that you had and maybe some of the things that jumped out at you.
1: Oh, there, there is so much. I mean, you see Paul's humanity. There is a strain here. And, and he's saying, you know, I'm caught in this dilemma. There's part of me wants to just say, Jesus, take me home. Yeah. <laughs> because we know from other passages to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's no more persecution. There's no more opposition. And we know from like the book of Acts and his epistles, the greatest persecution was coming from religious people, mm-hmm. the legalists who hounded him around the world. Yeah. Uh, so that here is this thing. I just wanted to be with the Lord. And I, I remember sharing Sunday the older you get, especially if you're a pastor and you're doing funerals, you end up at cemeteries with regularity and you see these headstones. I knew them. I knew them. I had their funeral. I had their funeral. Uh, I married them uh, and here I am. And I remember as a teenager hearing older people in the church who were 50 and 60 uh, (laughs) uh, talking about heaven looking sweeter because there's so many on the other side. Yeah. Well, now here I am at 76, and it's like, oh my goodness. I'm beginning to understand hmm. what they're saying and what they were meaning because you've got loved ones over there and um, the world changes, Yeah. but you're torn. So I use the example that made your daughters cry. Uh, about, you know, the tearing. Here I am, my age, and yet I see our great-grandchildren. Yeah, You want to see them grow. Uh, I want to see them play ball. I want to see them be in school functions and church functions. And there's this tearing. Um, so, I mean, it's a dilemma. Now, Paul clearly thinks, uh, and I forget the exact verse where he says this, but he clearly thinks that he's going to be Uh, released yeah Um, now we know that's not going to be the case but he felt it was well
0: depending depending on which imprisonment this is well now that's true in Philippians we're not actually given the specifics of which imprisonment because there's at least one where he's actually going to be released at the end and there's another one where he's going to be bodily released at the end he's going to be executed Mm -hmm, Uh, and we're not mm -hmm. exactly sure which one this is
1: no no, but the great thing in all of this is, in this, there is a contentment, uh, and yeah, I and I absolutely. use the I use the title. Uh, either way, it's a win. Yeah, you know, we can't lose. So, th- here is this tension. He says, you know, for me to live is Christ, and I think this becomes a very important thing for us. Paul is saying everything I do centers around Christ. Yeah and his eternal purposes in my life and through my life. So living means walking in f- and striving to fulfill those divine inner purposes, yeah. uh, eternal purposes that God has, has ordained. Um, and to die, it means going home. Uh, and we see that in um, the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy, yeah. where, where Paul says, that, you know, I fought a good fight, I've kept the faith, henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, not only but for me, but for those who love his appearings. Yeah. Uh, you know, to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. hmm uh, Paul says, I know that's at the end of the road. Right. Uh, what an amazing thing, This I didn't mention this Sunday, but I'm thinking of it now, to stand before, was it Felix or Festus, and to say, I was not disobedient to the heavenly call. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a, what a declaration to make Yeah, to be able to say when you're on trial for your life, I met with God, God met with me. Right. Uh, and I have done everything God told me to do.
0: Yeah. Man, yeah. I wish I could say that. <laughs> it makes me think of uh, what's coming later in Philippians in chapter three. Uh, let's see, where is it? No, it's not, it's not in Philippians. It's, it's in Acts, uh, where he's, he's sort of standing before the council. Come on, let me get the, uh, the <laughs> reference right here. Yeah, Acts 23, right at the end of the book of Acts, he says, uh, Looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day.
1: What a testimony to be able to make. Yeah. And he was absolutely telling the truth.
0: Yeah. And he as was, when he says that, uh, the next verse is the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to punch him in the face, <laughs> strike him on the mouth. Uh, he's, he's looking at the opposition square in the eye and says, whether things went for me or against me, uh, whether you liked me or disliked me, I have lived in good conscience before the Lord my whole life, yeah. I did it. yeah. And even if that results in him getting punched in the face, which is, you know, we think, well, as long as I do what's right and I do what's good, uh, especially when it's uncomfortable to me, well, people should recognize that. Mm-hmm. People should honor me for doing that. And the reality is on this earth, that may not happen. Yeah,
1: it, the, the thing that, that impressed me in here as well in these verses and it's going back into Acts 21 is Paul is, is really moving in faith and faithfulness, but it's not fatalism. It's not, well, what will be, will be it's in the hands of God. Now we know everything's in the mm-hmm. hands of God, but there is a moving in faith and faithfulness out of obedience. And back in Acts 21, he's with what the leaders at, or oh, they're at Caesarea. And, uh, they're together, and this Agabus comes, who we see Agabus several sure. times, who is recognized as a prophet in the New Testament church. Now, yeah. that terminology is, in that office, we don't see much of today where we, unless you're in certain parts of the world where everybody has to have a title, Reverend, yeah. Doctor, Apostle, Prophet, so-and-so. Yeah. Uh, okay, I won't go into that because that, but... He's recognized as a prophet. He takes Paul's belt and ties him up and says, this is what's gonna happen. Wraps it around his his ankles and his wrists and say, this is what's gonna happen to the person who owns this belt, and they're gonna turn him over to evil people. I'm paraphrasing here. And the believers say to Paul, no, no, you can't go to Jerusalem. He says, why are you breaking my heart? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you doing? this is what God has told me to do. And whatever comes is going to come. Um, And and I think of how all of this just kind of came together. You remember in 2 Corinthians 1, Paul writes and says, I want you to know uh, how pressed we were. And today we would say depressed uh, (laughs) that we feared even of life itself. But the Lord stood with us. He encouraged us. Um, What happened as they're out on the sea on the way to Rome and the ship's captain is wanting to, they throw everything overboard, then they wanna kill all the prisoners and the slaves. And the angel of God speaks to Paul in the night said, everything, everybody's gonna be all right. Everybody's gonna survive. I mean, that's a whole powerful thing. So all of this builds in this history of faith and in his faithfulness. For him to be able to stand at this point, looking the judge and the jury, as it were, in the face and saying, "You know what? God's in control here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whether I live or whether I die, my only concern is that I want to glorify God."
0: Yeah, yeah. Which and that's, I think, that's the answer to fatalism. That it's yes. just sort of like, "I'm a, I'm a victim of this thing. I, I'm just being." tossed around on the waves of God's whims Mm -hmm. or or Satan's whims or, you know, whoever, Uh, Paul had set his mind and life to say, if I live, it's going to be to glorify Christ, Mm -hmm. uh, to uh, proclaim the gospel, to demonstrate my belief in the gospel. And if I die, well, that's gain. Like everything that I thought was gain, I'm counting as rubbish, Paul's going to say. yes, Uh, And it True gain is actually departing to be with Christ, which it's interesting how many times we go to funerals and they talk about, oh, I have this loved one in heaven and that loved one, and they're just waiting for you there. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, I desire to depart and be with Christ.
1: Because that's far better.
0: Yeah, and it's like every every father relationship, every mother relationship, every husband and wife relationship is meant to be an image. It's just one corner of a reflection of God's love for us. And when we arrive into the splendor of the kingdom of God, uh, well, yeah, it, those people are going to be there. Mm-hmm. And I think we see them in the, the light which we were always meant to see them. Uh, I love this person. Just a pale reflection of what it looks like for God to love me. Just, mm-hmm. just a pale reflection of God's sacrificial love. And it, it's beautiful. And it, we find in verse 26, uh, Paul's sort of summation of that. Uh, so that through my coming, because I believe I'm going to live, I believe I'm going to come to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming to you again, your exaltation in Christ Jesus will resound on account of me. Oh, yeah. So w- what's the whole point of it? The exaltation of Jesus Christ will resound Mm -hmm. in God's people.
1: Yeah, and God will be just glorified in his glory. As I read this in my sanctified imagination, I see it like God's glory is just going to roll and roll Mm -hmm. and roll and billow over people. Uh, As you were talking, I was thinking back to when I was in in high school. Uh, I remember a Sunday school teacher saying at one point, Heaven would be hell if Jesus wasn't there. Hmm. That's pretty good. I know. That's one of those things I thought, Lord, why couldn't have you let me think of that? <laughs> I thought of it now, of what that that Sunday school teacher said right. and the profound impact that had on me. Yeah. Because, yes, streets of gold, absolutely. It's going to be glorious. Our, our human brain can't comprehend that. Sure. Uh, seeing loved ones thinking of being able to walk with the Apostles say okay what was it what was it like yeah now we don't know we we just face this with our human intellect mm-hmm. and our brains try to wrap itself around all of this but the glory of all of this and and this comes back to the revelation that John received yeah it's all about the lamb the throne of God and the lamb and the glory of the lamb yeah um, and I thought it true confession here I woke up the other morning earlier this week and I thought man what are we going to do in heaven if we just worship it's going to be boring and I'm thinking wait a minute that's stupid <laughs> because we will be forever with the Lamb of God yeah. and in his presence what else would you do
0: yeah so it, and there's oh I, I mean that that's one of them that comes up quite often is like all we're going to do is sing in heaven. Well, right there, we just, we just evidenced in our life that we have a really stupid, shallow understanding of what worship is. You know, Mm -hmm. that our worship of God is when we happen to be in the church on a Sunday morning with the church. And it's the singing time. Yeah. As opposed to all of our life is meant to be one of worship. When you, when you're at work, it's meant to be worship. If you're listening to this podcast, it's meant to be worshiped. When you're at home loving your family, it's meant to, to be, be worshiped. Worship. Everything is focused on yes. him. So, like, there's an infinite possibilities of what heaven will be, what it means that uh, we will reign with Christ. And I think very little of it will be focused on, like, Right, gather around. There's a white guy with a guitar. Let's sing something <laughs> real quick, you know. <laughs> Kumbaya, my there my I mean Clearly, <laughs> they're in uh, Revelation 4 and 5. There's songs in heaven. Yes. Uh, so, there, I mean, we will uh, be singing. We will be gathered around the throne. Uh, I think we will be eternally living as well in a way that it's what God designed in the Garden of Eden and now reclaimed as sets right all that was broken
1: I you know I've always believed that in spite of the fact that my brain tries to figure out all of this stuff and I have this huge imagination as you well know um when we're there it will be yeah right Mm -hmm. and wow all of those things so much more over and above um but again, you know, coming back to these verses, I am impressed with Paul's heart. And to use a phrase that we talk a lot about here at the church, he wants to represent God well before a watching world.
0: Yeah.
1: At the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters, is that God is represented well, mm-hmm. whether it's by life or by death. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think back, and help me with his name, the, uh, the pastor who, a young guy, uh, well-known, who had brain cancer. chandler, Matt Chandler. Matt chandler. Yeah. You know, I think, I forgot his name, but I didn't forget what he said. He said, I want to suffer well. That wasn't fatalism, mm-hmm. but a statement that even in my suffering, I want to glorify God and not have a, a pity party yeah. And say, woe is me, but I want God to be glorified in and through everything that goes on in me, mm-hmm. spiritually and physically. Yeah, uh, And I see that coming through here uh, in Paul. And it's just, it's a powerful,
0: powerful thing. Yeah, great encouragement. I think it's a great encouragement when we are suffering, when we are in the midst of hurting. And and things haven't turned out the way that we would have hoped for. Yeah. Uh, to fix our, our hope. To fix our eyes uh, on Jesus and not our circumstances, and that enables us to go, uh, God. Whether whether you fix this thing or not in my life, I'm going to live to honor and glorify you.
1: Yeah, and you know, I was thinking as you were saying that uh, we need to settle these things now. Now, I I told the story of the late Corey Tinboom because I think about this, and Corey Tinboom. and the, for those who don't know who she was, a Dutch lady. Her family hid Jews. Uh, they were sent to concentration camp, and Corey is the only one that survived. Mm-hmm. Uh, her testimony was just absolutely amazing. Uh, her calls to forgive and to love the Nazis. Um, See, Dr. Billy Graham used her a lot, and she yeah. she was around, and it, it was. Uh, It it was just amazing. But I remember uh, her telling the story of going to her father and saying, I don't know if I have the faith to die for Jesus. And he used this great example. And he said, when I send you into the city, when when do I give you the money for the train? And she said, well, just before I go. He said, that's the way it is with God. You don't need faith to die for Jesus in this moment. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, we need faith to live for Jesus in this moment. But he said, you don't need faith to die for Jesus in this moment. And when that moment comes, he will give you the grace that you need. And I I have thought a lot about that over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, What a powerful truth here that we walk in the grace he gives us today to be faithful today. And I hear that in Paul, whether it's in life or whether it's in death, Uh, God, give me grace. My only concern is that you are glorified in and through my life. Uh, And I believe that for us as Christians, when we begin to come before God and say, God, whatever I'm doing, wherever I am, pour out your grace in me, pour out your grace through me, Mm So that I can glorify you. Yeah. Amen. So, so that all of my life is centered in Christ for me to
0: live is Christ. Yeah. Good. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for coming in. We had a little bit of a uh, miscue yesterday. We were going to record the podcast. So thanks for coming in today. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Getting this done. And- you know, the,
1: there, is a, there is a key thing here. Uh, and I use this as a. Kind of a fill in the blank, especially for kids on Sunday, that I said um, until we, um, until we reckon ourselves as dead to self, we cannot be fully alive to Christ. Mm-hmm. And I was challenged years ago when we were in um, Indonesia, I went to a, a specific island, and. God really convicted me because it was right on the equator. It was hot. There was no air conditioning and it was miserable. And I was really convicted because here I was, I was teaching young people who were orphans. Mm -hmm. They were young adults now, but they were all orphans. And they were preparing three years of study, I believe it was, to go into villages that were hostile to the gospel knowing that they would probably not come alive. And I was having a pity party over my creature comforts <laughs> or the lack thereof. Yeah, uh, And I thought also of the ministries like Gospel for India, where these indigenous missionaries are going to hostile villages. And the amazing thing is they go there and they take their own casket with them. And they're making a declaration to themselves, to the village, I'm here. Yeah. And I'm here till I die. Yeah. And you know, to be able to just come to that point and say, God, I wanna to die to self. Right. Uh, so that I can be fully alive to you. So whether by life or by death, I glorify you. The reality is my flesh seems to find a way to become <laughs> resurrected <Yep. laughs> and rise up. And so I need to do this repeatedly where I just say, Lord Jesus, here I am. My life is yours. And surrender that. Yeah.
0: Which is why scripture commands us to daily take up our cross and follow him. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And what a comfort to know that he has promised he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Yeah. We are never alone, even if we feel like we are.
0: Amen. Good. All right. Well, uh, thanks for checking out the midweek podcast this week. Uh, Hopefully you will join us this coming Lord's Day. Uh, We have Sunday school for all ages at 9 a.m. And then we'll worship together at 10 a.m. So Lord willing, we will see you then. All right. God bless you and make you a blessing.